It is a sunny day in St. Louis downtown. Is the river high? Does it look high to you? It looks sober enough. Ah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what it usually looks like. I was thoroughly confused for a hot second. I'm like, the f*** do you mean sober? But then I had to think. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the importance of stopping to think about things before you respond. <laughs> Good lord. What's going on, everybody? You got Javen and Anna here, and you are listening to STL by Design, brought to you by AIGA St. Louis. Anna, what's good? You know, I know we always talk about weather, but I'm really excited because it's actually getting warmer out. Yeah. Like, legitimately. We really do always talk about weather. But it's been so up and down lately. How's Anna doing? How's Anna doing? Anna has allergies. (laughs) I feel that. So Anna might sound a little nasally. To like to like nature. You're not allergic to animals because you got cats. No, um, I am allergic to tree pollen, I believe. As am I. So it gets gets around. And dogs. Oh, I can't even imagine being allergic it's to animals. Pretty so sad. pretty bitter. Oh, that's irony. My dad is allergic to cats, and he had three at some point. So I'm kind of allergic to cats too. No excuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, How are you, Javen? Fine. Uh, my allergies, knock on wood, are fine so far. Wow, I'm jealous. Yeah. Pollen counter is really high right now, by the way. Is it? I think so. I it was know. like la- uh, a couple days ago. I don't keep up. I just keep my inhaler and my allergy drops with me at all times. <laughs> oh, that's what I forgot Listen, to do this never one. get caught without them. Uh, Javen's fine. I guess. No complaints, per the norm. You know. It's going good. Running around and Things are happening. Hustling, things are happening. Something we can't talk about quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, life's life's good. Life's fine. We're getting there. Word. Rest (laughs) in peace to Nipsey Hustle. I don't know if you know who that is or not. Uh, You know, I don't, but I have heard the news and I read up on him a little bit, so... Rest in peace. It's f***ed up. But, uh, that has nothing to do with this podcast, but I just had to say it. So. Why not? This is our banter time, anyway. This is our banter this time. This is not, this is when we are talking about everything irrelevant to anything. Word. I, I, yeah. We could probably do a whole episode on that alone, but, uh, <laughs> that made me sad. Um, but otherwise, you know, just fine. Anyway, if you're joining us for the first time, we are Design for Good co-chairs within the board of AIGA St. Louis, Anna and I, and our intent with this show is to highlight any efforts at the intersection of creativity and positive impact. And last time we talked with Jenny of Perennial, which is a nonprofit that teaches people creative skills to reuse materials and live a sustainable and self-sufficient life. They offer craft and DIY classes using all salvage materials and provide free programs to women in transition, including former prisoners, survivors of domestic violence, homeless women, and much more. 
This week, we will be talking with Dee Nichols, who is a social impact designer slash jack of all trades. Uh, she's pretty impressive. So, did you know that that full? Have you heard the full phrase "jack no. of all trades"? Jack of all trades, master of none. Did you know that? I think I did. It sounds familiar. Like, it's not surprising me, but it's something that had been tucked away in a file cabinet in my memory. I learned that uh, shortly after a job interview I did because one of the people uh, that I was interviewing with said, yeah, we, all of us here are kind of jacks of all trades, but a couple months later I learned the the like the full phrase and then I thought so no one here is a master of anything so maybe Which, we won't call her a jack of all trades she's a renaissance woman right and I didn't mean to seemingly attack you that way it just kind of popped up in no, my head that, just there. I like knowing that that's cool that's important to know it is right? important so <laughs> she is a words rena- are important she is a renaissance woman right but she does a lot of amazing things in the St. Louis community has been for years and years been right. involved since college probably earlier yeah you know so we can talk about what D does right and if you if you are a social entrepreneur a social justice activist to any degree or facet uh, or anywhere inside or outside of those labels designer slash creative in the area chances are you have seen D in the crowd or speaking somewhere Uh, so we we could you know tell you what she does but how about we just get straight to the interview what do you think Anna let's do it let it let it speak for itself oh yeah you know because she does a lot what we can say is that her uh, capacity to foster and maintain healthy relationships with others has uh, brought her a long way so Get to it. And is and is pushing forward. Let's get to it. So here we are with Dean Nichols. D. Nichols, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Nice. So we usually bring in a lot of people for specific things, right? But in you, you are in the position to where we can talk about a lot of things. Right? Yeah, let's talk about it all. <laughs> so I guess first off, we should ask in a professional sense. Who is D. Nichols? Oh, wow. So like elevator pitch, I guess. Yeah, D. Nichols is a lot of things. First of all, I'm a social entrepreneur. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I was trained as a social worker. Like, I went to grad school for social work and specialized in social entrepreneurship. Mm. Wow. Uh, but prior to that, I studied communications design and found my niche uh, in this world as a social impact designer. And so that's how I often describe myself. 
but I'm also an artist. I am also a YouTuber. I'm also a cultural organizer. I love food and organize food-based events. But at the core, social entrepreneurship and design are the foundations of everything that I do. For a social Gotta good. emphasize that. Yeah. That like yeah. in the midst of having all of these roles and so many projects and, and ideas that are active in the world that at the core there's also that emphasis on doing good and helping people see their own potential to do more good in the world. Mm. And have you always wanted to do good in the world? Yes. Yeah. I am one of those lifelong do-gooders. Yeah. Uh, I, I was that kid who was at school writing essays and like winning the essay competitions about how to change the world <laughs> on MLK Day and getting to read it over the intercom at school. But part of it is oh, that I intercom. grew up. That'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, and that's what got me into public speaking. Like those early moments. Oh wow! Uh, as well as church. Like I, I come from a family of ministers, and that sense of public speaking was something that always felt comfortable because I witnessed it so much, and now I get to do it. And at the same time, the conditions that my family lived in in my early childhood and in early life were also core to me having this lens about recognizing so many issues that were happening immediately around me and wanting to do something about it. And as a kid, I would keep these red notebooks all the time and I would just write ideas about books that I wanted to write, art that I wanted to make, things that I wanted to paint, things that I wanted to create. And slowly but surely, as I matured, as I got more support systems, I was able to start making some of those ideas happen. I'm curious, where did you hear about social impact design? Good question. Because when I was an undergrad studying communications design, there was not a like a career path to, right. to do social good as a yeah. designer. The options were to be a freelancer, work at an agency, be an in-house designer. If you wanted to have social impact in your work, the suggestion was to work for a nonprofit and be a designer for them or have clients who were nonprofits. And right. I tried that life. I, I did not like it. it. It didn't get to the heart of the issues. And we can talk about the intersections of identity and race as it comes into that work. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of experiences that made me want to do it differently and apply that lens of design uh, into direct practice with community members also around the same table and not just on the receiving end of whatever was being created. Mm -hmm. And so in that journey, it was honestly the work of Emily Pillowton that awakened my, my senses to using design in a scalable way. At the time, in what, 2009, 2010, she had a project or a whole nonprofit called Project H. Mm -hmm. She now runs a, an organization in Berkeley, California called uh, Girls Garage. And I wrote her as a student back then saying, hey, I really love what you're doing out here in, I think it was South Carolina. Can I come and visit and I never got the chance to visit. I was super <laughs> broke. Yeah. But I studied it from afar, and I ended up going to rural Alabama and embarking upon one of my first projects using design 
and applying it to uh, social issues that were happening after a series of tornadoes had flattened uh, this county uh, in Alabama. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That was my intro into (laughs) social impact design. It did not go that well, to be honest. That first project, all the things, all the bad things that could happen. So learning experience one. (laughs) Indeed. Foundational. So I actually, so Dee spoke at a sustainability lab that was actually hosted by one STL, someone else that we interviewed, or another, you know, representative that we interviewed. And she actually told that story about how, is this the one where you went in and did the basketball court? Yes, Common Hoops Project. Yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, perhaps, to describe that, you you took materials from the wreckage. Yes. And you repurposed that into basketball. Yeah, kind of. park equipment. Largely basketball-related park equipment. Right. And basketball backboards. And you were the only POC. Only black person on the team. One of two women. And the only person, to my knowledge, who had lived down south. Mm. And we got kicked out of a neighborhood, in, in short, by a black neighbor. And as we were being cursed out and asked to leave the, the premises, that neighbor looked at me and simply said, you should know better. And that really stuck with me. And because of that, because he was so right, that's what made me want to do better. And that's why I ended up going to grad school to study social work and have that emphasis on social and economic development and specialize in social entrepreneurship, even though that was not my background, because I wanted to create an entity that really valued the the expertise and the experiences of, of people, even those who had been targeted by unjust systems and policies. And I, I wanted to be able to bring them into the design process with me as we collectively uh, problem solve some of these ideas. Some of the ways that that has manifested hasn't necessarily been in a traditional studio setting Uh, as a designer, it's been through protest. It's been through working inside of churches and houses and schools. It's been finding those nonprofits that are trying to solve these big issues, but, you know, bumping heads with this, this notion of equity and helping them to problem solve how to be more equitable in their processes so that they can bring more people into it. Mm. It's been disrupting, like creating, you know, a dinner party series that disrupts the ways that we think about philanthropy, like those, those aren't traditional design outputs, right? But that sense of using the design process and applying it mm-hmm. is still a part of who I am as a communications designer, and so I, I instill that into everything that I do. The communications part, <laughs> yeah, of so, communications designer, yeah, and part of that is the storytelling, yeah, being able to unearth narratives that have been erased over time being able to amplify narratives and stories of people and and voices that you know parts of our communities continue to try to suppress and then also creating other avenues for people to to give voice to to lend their voice to towards things and sometimes that 
is the start. That's the catalyst, you know, and that's not the only thing that's needed, but it's a start. We said this a little bit off air and I just kind of want to bring this up, I suppose, but you and I met at the initial creative reaction lab put mm-hmm. on by Antoinette Carroll. Mm-hmm. Shout out Antoinette. We'll have her on the show someday. But, um, you know, you were in one place, mm-hmm. right? It's been an interesting pleasure to watch you kind of go into all of these different just avenues in which, you know, you apply, you know, the very principles that you just mentioned to all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And again, I think people like part of this show is just people understanding what even a few, how far even a few skills can take you and how like being willing to talk to any and everyone damn near can like, like to a point that I think you mentioned plenty of times before is relationships matter. Yes. Right. So healthy relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy, healthy relationships (laughs) matter. Unhealthy relationships cause other things. Well put. Yes. Javenism for the day. (laughs) So, uh, what are, that got off track a little bit, but what are some some projects in St. Louis that you have kind of been in these days? Just to kind of, we're going to let you flex for a little (laughs) while. Let's do it. Yeah. I'll start back. In 2014, with the Creative Reaction Lab, I entered into that with a project that I was already working on as a protester during the uprising in Ferguson. That project was called Connected for Justice. It didn't last as long as all the other projects that I was working (laughs) on at that time, but it really centered this notion of looking at the system or like the networks of protest communities, activist communities, organizers, and people from afar who wanted to support what was happening here and finding a mechanism by which they can all get connected, share resources, exchange narratives, and combat what the mass media was saying. Right. That project, Connected for Justice, sparked into a, another one called Faces of the Movement, where we were actually, I, I worked with Attilio D'Agostino, who is uh, the photographer for a live magazine, and he and I and this this other person, we took a lot of or welcomed a lot of protesters from the street into his studio space. And we photographed them in black and white and just let them tell their story how they wanted to tell it. Faces of the movement and Connected for Justice also led into the United Story Project, which was actually my senior thesis, my senior design capstone mm. in undergrad. With United Story, another person here in St. Louis, Sophie Littman from the Pulitzer, she and I went door to door in Canfield, which is where Mike Brown was murdered. We went door to door knocking, talking to neighbors. The Nine Network gave us extra cameras so that those neighbors can start to tell their own stories. Mm. Those three projects really became the, the foundation of a lot of community gatherings, including the 2015 United Story uh, Summit that we had that we hosted in Ferguson. And at the same time, as an artist, I was with other arts activists who we called our we called ourselves the Art of This Collective. I was organizing them to provide supplies to to protesters. 
I was working at a museum at the same time, hosting conversations and workshops with art teachers and, and students so that everyone can visually and creatively process what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was protesting every single day back then and got to a point where I was having like these very vivid and visual nightmares, one of which included these men like dressed in all black marching. I don't in my dream. I didn't know where they were going, but they were holding this casket that was made out of mirrors with the art of this collective. Seven people, seven of us. I uh, joined in and we built this casket and it was marched from where Mike Brown was murdered to the Ferguson police department from that first action. There was that ripple effect. This thing ended up getting bought and collected by the Smithsonian museum in Washington, DC, which at the time was not even finished being built. Right. And we were able to utilize the funding from that to invest back into a lot of the grassroots efforts that were That's happening awesome. for, for justice Design projects can have that ripple effect. If we skip ahead a few years, I've, I've been doing some cool stuff in the mist, right. but skip ahead a few years. During that time, I got connected with a woman by the name of Lois Conley. She is the founder and director of the Griot Museum of Black History. Mm. Have you heard of this museum? I have. Any of you? I don't know if do I you, have. Do you know where it is? It's not on King's Highway, is it? Oh, oh, I know this. North City, St. Louis Avenue. St. Louis Avenue. Yes. That's it. So the Griot is one of the oldest black museums here in the city. Mm -hmm. In the midst of all of the museums is one of the uh, least invested. It's one of the least populated. And that connection of having a work of art collected by the Smithsonian led me into this relationship with that museum and now we're working on you know this big campaign to encourage and and catalyze reinvestment into a museum here looking at that built environment that work from the mirror casket and the art of this and the united story summit and faces of the movement also led me to be one of the people in, in the city that has been looked on or looked upon and, and asked to be at a lot of tables about problem solving the ways in which we work with each other as organizations in the city. And that has gotten to a point where I was welcomed because people were upset uh, in the city about the Shoto Greenway. I was welcomed onto a team during that competition and now am a part of the team helping to Make sure that as we build out new public spaces, new parks, new venues, new spaces in the city, that they are welcoming to everybody. That not only do we focus on the Central Corridor, but we can stretch north to Fairground Park and we can stretch south to Tower Grove Park to make sure that more people of color are involved in these processes and that they feel safe and welcome to, to be themselves in public. And... Those types of works came fully because of health, one, healthy relationships with people, but also being someone who can help others see the vision. Right. Sometimes I, I feel like I, I know a lot of people who, who have really good ideas, but have challenges with making them happen because yeah. it's hard to get others to see, to, to walk that path with you, yeah. to entrust you with the resources. And 
that that has been a valuable part of my journey here in St. Louis over these these last four years or five years now. So you've done a couple things. <laughs> yeah, I've done some some stuff. A couple little things. Yeah, yeah. D- did some things. In, in the midst of all of that, started a nonprofit, dissolved that nonprofit, <laughs> pivoted into a for-profit a, uh, design agency, and now we're doing even more work. I, I feel very honored to, to be someone in the city that can do a lot, but I feel more powerful. I feel more at home. I feel more comfortable with the fact that other people are doing it too that like it's not a solo process oh yeah for sure you know yeah seeing that it's sustainable and that it's rippling and that other people are picking it up and other people are helping those efforts would be incredible yeah and that sometimes it may look like someone is copying your idea but for me if we can set our egos aside and say hey that idea is happening and I may not get the credit for that. Somebody else's name might be on that now, but to know that that spark was there, you know? And I I think as much as we can be those sparks, we can be those catalysts and not always want the credit for ourselves. We can make a lot, a lot more impact happen. Yeah. It's the idea that matters ultimately. Exactly. And that someone is able to move it forward and perpetuate it. That's the important part. If you're going to get bogged down by someone saying like, well, that was my idea, like X amount of years ago and fighting you on it, you're not going to get it done. And then it's just right. It's just not going to happen. Fucking people. It's ruining everything. Yeah. Well, I've definitely had to call (laughs) some people out to be like, yo, fam, uh, you definitely took credit for my work. Yeah. With this entity or with this press, this, you know, this media outlet. And that's not cool. Right. But at at its heart is like, well, the idea is happening. And if you feel a part of that, if you feel connected to that, to to that energy, I welcome that. I like I want to celebrate that. Right. Yeah. So, as we just said, you've you, you've been doing a little bit around these parts, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you how do you know when it's time to let go of one project yeah. and get into another one? In short, it's when the energy is not there. Mm. And by energy, I mean the the passion, the zeal, the zeal to commit. You know. When it's an idea that's better in somebody else's hand, like when I don't have the the spiritual energy to be a good shepherd of the idea, it's time to let that go. Right. I think as well when there's no capacity, when the project is literally or the idea is literally bigger than me and I can't figure out how to manifest it and how to get more people involved, it's not necessarily that... I let it die, but I put it, you know, as a bug in someone else's ear to see, well, they have the the capacity to do this. Perhaps this is something that is is better suited for for them. You know, that's that's key, that that willingness to not hoard ideas and not micromanage them, but to really have trust with other people in order to really let that baby grow up, you know, let it, let it evolve and let it change and, and, and find its, its path without me being the, you know, the person holding strings on it. I think sometimes in my journey, I've let go of ideas because 
a new one has come, to, to be honest. It's a gift and a curse, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is yeah. because you get to a point where it's like, ooh, I got all these half-baked ideas and a lot, some of them have not, you know, met their full potential. Right. But I, I think often about that question with my Food Spark project in, in mind. Food Spark was something that started because I was in grad school and met a lot of people who were new to the city who hated St. Louis. And I wanted to find a way to help them fall in love with St. Louis. And for me that, that happened largely through food. So we went around to different parts of the city, eating at restaurants that got super expensive on a grad school budget. So we started having potlucks. Those potlucks led to conversations about social issues. We started to be more intentional about facilitating those those hard conversations so that we we weren't left from our our time together with like exhaustion but with excitement about making ideas happen and yeah five years later you know food spark is still going and it's changed it's morphed we've grown expanded our team and it's no longer my idea and so in in some ways i i feel like I've let it go in in terms of holding the strings, but I'm still able to be a part of it. And that feels good with, with projects like the United story uh, initiative and the United story summit. We had to let that one go because the, the energy of the team wasn't well, we had different visions of what that thing could be. And so since we couldn't agree on the direction to take it, we all said, well, what if we step back and one day maybe we'll reignite that project because it was a powerful concept mm-hmm. of using stories and storytelling as a mechanism for getting to the heart of uh, social issues and, and ways to problem solve them. But, you know, every idea has its time and it wasn't the time for, for that particular one. So those are two examples for my my own thoughts on when is it time to let a project go? Right. Was that something that was hard for you to come to terms with at the beginning of all of this, like when to let things go? I know that sometimes it's difficult to like let projects go because you just you have the sentimentality. And so you've come to a place now where you're like, OK, this I, I realize that these are the things that are happening and I can kind of pr- move that project to the side and focus on this new one or give this to someone else and focus on this new one. But was that difficult for you when you first started gathering all of these things or was that always something you kind of were okay with doing? Yes and no. I'll start with no. It was not difficult in the sense of me trusting that ideas will always be there. Like I've never been someone who's short on ideas or, or opinions. Um, and I think trusting that notion that I've made cool, cool stuff happen in the past. I can do it again. I think that helps me not be as disappointed when a project ends. I think the parts of myself that have made that a hard process have been egocentric, you know, the, the notion of, feeling like a failure or not wanting people to think that I failed. Right. And I I think 
it takes a lot of work and sometimes some therapy um, to to push through that that feeling. And I think it also goes back to relationships that even if I fail on one project, I have to trust and know that my community of support is not going to let me ultimately fail. Like I will land somewhere and the people who are really riding with me, they're going to support me no matter what. And the folks who, who will judge or the folks who, you know, may consider me as, as a failure, those aren't the folks who I need on my path anyways. Right. And so I, I think even though those moments have happened with certain projects, it's been easy to like adapt that lens and pivot and just keep pushing through, keep going. Yeah, it seems like a kind of forest through the trees kind of scenario, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it takes, I, th- I think we can all speak from experience that it's not, it's never easy to like have to step back for, or even be able to step back, right? And say like, all right, what's going on? Is this a sustainable thing that I'm doing right now? You know, is it is it worth following through with Mm -hmm. should i stop should i pass it off and then like i think where like a lot of folks that we run into and and i not necessarily on the show is just like you know just establishing those initial relationships like we know plenty of people who have who like just joined aiga and they're new Mm -hmm. to town and they don't know who to talk to Mm -hmm. and it's like st louis can be an interesting place in that regard so what would you say then to, well, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but what would you say to someone who is like, who wants to get something going, but they just don't know who to like talk mm-hmm. to just like get out there. And yeah. Just I feel like part of, it, part of it is starting the thing, right. taking that initiative and talking to as many people like sharing with as many people as as possible about your idea and trusting that somebody is ultimately going to say yes and and support you and or and or join you to make it better and some of those folks who might say no may actually help direct you to somebody who can say yes that is super common here exactly that's the yeah i love that about yeah the no's are as important as the yeses exactly right that is so real I think going back to the previous point about letting go of projects, there's this element of something just, that just like just came into my my heart, my my spirit to to share is like no project makes me, I make the projects. Mm, no idea yeah. makes me, I make the ideas. And I, I think being able to to be and that relationship with ideas is also something that keeps me from being fearful about how they manifest or if they end. And I think when you're at the beginning of a project, so for those those folks who are perhaps new to town or just starting something, kicking something off, it's that same thing that you're you're building something, you're crafting this. This is this is your your baby for the moment. And you can nurture that in the ways that you see fit and most people around you have no clue how it's supposed to end up. And so 
you can really stay in in that position of of comfort with it if you maintain that focus for me as a public speaker that is something that i've learned over time as well Mm -hmm. like most people don't know what i'm gonna say on stage (laughs) so there's no need for me to be anxious or nervous i just need like i know what's in my heart to say i just need to do it i just need to say it and when it comes to our projects if it is really something that is on your heart to do most of the time you've pondered about this, you've dreamed about this thing It's you know, in your thoughts, in the shower, you've thought about it, you can see it and it's just upon you to make it happen. And part of that process of making good ideas happen is the stripping away of all of our fears, anxieties, insecurities that get in the way that become those barriers. And that would be my encouragement to, to someone who's working on something new. Like, how out. do you work on yourself? And is staring out the I window, know, reflecting gonna, on. We're gonna think about this for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm a child and grandchild of ministers. <laughs> so one, that means I'm long-winded, um, and two, that means that I get like super passionate about what I'm saying, and it right. goes somewhere. <laughs> and we all just gotta sit. We're going to think about it. Ruminate for a moment. So going back to projects, right, Mm -hmm. just a little bit, for a little bit, in the midst of all of the projects that you've started and kind of let go, Mm -hmm. sticky note to self. Oh, my. What is that to you? This project, oh, my. Sticky note to self is is the project that I've wanted to let go, but it won't let go. Um, It started because a friend and I were being trolled on Twitter as protesters in 2014 and 2015. Right. And I already had this practice of writing notes to myself. Oftentimes uh, at work, I would keep a whole stack of sticky notes of all of my tasks from like the days prior. And I remember writing notes to myself for the first time as motivation when I was a designer at this nonprofit. I'm not going to say their name because I love them, but I hated my experience, you know? Fair um, enough. Right. But I I would write these notes to myself just to, like, help me push through, through the day. And once I left that job, I stopped that practice. And something about the things that people were saying on Twitter to us made me want to not respond directly on that platform, but go back, like retreat and just go and write notes to myself. And uh, one of those first notes simply said, do right by people. For me, that meant no matter what, like no matter how they treat me, my mandate to myself is to do right by people. And I posted it on Twitter and Facebook and it, you know, it, it became a thing. I, I just kept writing each day, posting a new note. And for the first year or so of that project, it was literally every day. And what started to shift with that project and the reason why I wanted to let it go is because other designers would see it and they would critique my like my, my handwriting. They would oh critique <laughs> the composition. They would critique all of these elements of it and it made me realize that like this isn't just a project that 
is a hobby anymore. This is something that people are really looking at and it's becoming a qualifier of who I am as a designer. And right. I, just, I didn't like that energy of it. Right. But one of the things that ended up happening was I got selected to be a speaker for the Women's March in 2017 here in St. Louis. And the summer prior, uh, summer 2016, Michelle Obama uh, became you know known for that famous quote, when they go low, we go high. And I wanted to wear that as a shirt. And so I wrote a sticky note <laughs> that had that quote. And I tagged Michelle Obama on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, pr- I got that shirt printed for myself. And I wore it to the speech. And the photos from that day sent a lot of women to my Teespring site to buy that shirt. And that was another point of evolution of that project of realizing that, yeah, people may critique how it looks, but for everyday folks, they are really resonating with the words that that I say and the things that are on my heart. So how do I be a good steward of that? Yeah. One of the ways that I started to to be a better steward and I'm I'm not consistent with it was um, by making YouTube videos just to reflect You know, I would take a sticky note off my wall, set up a camera at my desk and just talk about it. And people would comment about how, you know, some of the videos would resonate with them. Then I would get outreach from teachers and librarians saying, hey, our students really like this. And I wanted to show it to my to my class. Can I? Can you also come in or can we Skype you in to talk to my students about tolerance and activism and all of that? It's like the Webster thing, basically. Yeah. I guess. It Um, ripples. Yeah. Yeah. And so because of all of that energy, the project has more so continued almost on its own on its own. I don't write sticky notes daily anymore i really want the emphasis to be on working with young people right now i have a partnership for this whole school this whole school year with the sulart school Mm. and we've had sticky note workshops with the students the the parents the teachers and other community members and this spring we'll be creating a mural at the school that is a compilation of some of their their quotes and their their mantras and their words to sell. Oh, that's cool. And so I see that being a, a direction that this project will take. But yeah, throughout the entire journey with it, I have wanted to quit so many <laughs> times. Because like like I was saying earlier, I, I just didn't want to be pigeonholed as the sticky note to self girl. Right. Like I do all this other stuff and it wasn't the strongest reflection of who I am as a designer. And I don't have the personal capacity to spend hours writing one note and finessing it and making it look like, you know, a professional hand, professionally hand drawn thing. And, you know, I, I still I still struggle with that. I really do. That's that's tough too, though, because like as a as an artist or a designer on Instagram, like it's really easy for somebody. That's when I tell you I'm going through that right now. Really, we may or may not cut this out, but 
No, I, I want to know. Well, the like, just because, like, I <laughs> I post a lot of, like, I think I have, like, five animation-esque kind of mm-hmm. things going on right now, right? And so now I, and I, just because, like, my entire life I've loved cartoons mm-hmm. and music, specifically hip-hop, but music in general, right? And so everything that I've been sharing is a reflection of that, right? But mm-hmm. to your point, it's not like, you know, I'm not a studio, it's just something yeah. that I enjoy. Like when it hits me and like if I hear this Pusha T song, for example, yeah. and I'm like, I fuck with this song. Like, how does this inspire me somehow? Yeah. That's just that's just all it is. Right. It's not like, you know, I'm not a pro. Right. But like. That's all people see at mm-hmm. the same time. So now you've got people, you know, in your inbox or your DMs or whatever, what have you saying, oh, well, you could do this or like, oh, I want to hire you for this project. Which is like, you know, to the latter, it's like, well, you know, I mean, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, me. but right. But I guess, like, yeah, I get similar stuff too. yeah, like a question that I ask myself literally as of yesterday evening is just like, how do you, first of all, is there a need to say anything at all? Like, mm-hmm. do you owe people an answer or explanation rather do you, or do you like somehow say that yes, this is here, but this is not all that I do? You know, it's like yeah. telling somebody that you're an artist. Oh, yeah. so you paint? Well, it's a little bit more than that, but and and we you go know. through phases too. Like I go through phases of things too, right? Where I'm doing a lot of like sketchy, like silly hand lettering stuff. Right. But that's not who I am. Like I don't ever want to be hired for just that. I'm not good enough to do that, right? right? Like that's not what I want to do for a living. Right. But I also go into phases where like I don't know, where I'm doing a lot of illustration work. I'm not an illustrator necessarily. It's just what I'm feeling at that moment. Like Inktober, I look like I'm an illustrator. Inktober is a yeah. great example. Exactly. Right. I look yeah. like I'm an illustrator. And a lot of the times like a lot of these sketches, I try to spend under 30 minutes, right. under 30 to 45 minutes on right. all of them because Otherwise, you go into the, you spin down right. into the hole, you know? But then the other issue is that people see it. They don't know that necessarily. They don't know that. And they're like, wow, that's shit. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I spent literally two minutes on this. It's going to look bad. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, so letting that go yourself, but then also having to come to terms with letting that go when people are coming at you and saying these things. Or being afraid that people are going to come at you and say these things. Yeah. It's difficult. Especially if you're doing, like, sketch work, you know, or process work. You're like, hey, this is something that I want to do right now. It's something that I'm learning. I'm exploring. I'm trying to have fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, at one point, at some point, the fun, if it gets taken away, what do you do? Indeed. You move on to the next thing. Exactly. The energy has shifted. So you go to where the energy is good. No, I, yeah. I I received that very well. You said that too. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. We I didn't have a train I don't think notes, I had a train but... of thought. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I just realized I don't think I was really going anywhere in my head. So. No, that that's so real. Like that, that project, the Sticky Note to Self project has challenged me in so, so many ways because... It was a project that came organically and now it's a thing 
but it's an imperfect thing. And right. even down to the name, like, I don't like the name Sticky Note <laughs> Self, you know? <laughs> like, and it's, it's, it's so weird because in my personal branding, almost all the things that I do starts with D, D-E. Um, you know, I went on my first speaking tour in 2016. It was super organic. Someone, like, put the bug in my ear. They were like, hey, you got all these talks from April until June. You should just call it a tour. The detour. <laughs> the detour. Yeah, the detour. <laughs> That's so good. And from the detour, there are now the details. There's a detox of, like, me talking about food and exercise there's me de-stressing and talking about mindfulness and and mental health and with the sticky notes of self project i thought about calling it denoted um and even that doesn't stick you know and it's just like stick it doesn't stick to the that's staying in there for sure so you know i i think as I'm reflecting right now on it, the word that comes into my heart is grace, that I I want to give myself better grace to let the project be. And like I was saying earlier, trust that even if this project is one that isn't the best representative of who I am as a designer, that I have all these other projects, you know? And maybe it does mean sharing those more maybe it does mean talking more about the breadth of of work but I think it's a project that might be around for a while there's a lot of power in it because there is content for life like there's a lifelong threshold of inspiration and, and ideas and content that can come and be unearthed from some of these notes and for that, I'm thankful for that project, mm-hmm. even though I might shift the ways in which it exists in this world, you know? Right. So now I can't help but wonder, do you create anything for fun and solely for fun? Well, the Sticky Notes itself project right. used to be for right. fun. <laughs> right, That kind of spiral. Um, Food Spark as well. Food Spark is... is it's morphing into something that is like more official, but it is something that is still fun to me to just have potluck dinner parties and facilitate cool conversations about issues and hold space, like brave space for, for things to happen. That is something that's super fun. One of the things that's been really fun in my life lately is traveling. I I travel a lot as a public speaker, but for each trip, I try to build in a day to just like be disconnected from the yeah. world and go out and explore. And that has become one of my greatest passions for at the moment. If you don't follow D on Instagram, by the way, I can't speak to Facebook, but Instagram, you got to check that shit out. I thought you would like staying in South Africa forever. I'm like, fuck, she... I got she content gone. for... For life, from <laughs> South like I, I still haven't posted all the the moments from there. Yeah. I was there for what thirteen days. Is that it? Yeah, just thirteen. Oh. Days. But it started off with 
a music festival for the first two days. Right. I was super, super, I got so sick because I took a, a full day in Madrid getting mm-hmm. there. And it was freezing in Madrid, and I had no coat because I was Aww. going to South Africa. And um, But I wanted to explore the city, so I took my chances. <laughs> Ended up sick for a few days, and so I just did a lot of cool stuff by myself and stayed, you know, kept my energy small, small there. But I met all of these cool designers and architects because of the relationships that I have with people here in the States, and... My experiences took me on so many adventures while I was there. I ended up going to Cape Town as well as Johannesburg, which was a super last-minute decision. I literally bought my plane ticket the Friday before I left. I I think I I flew out on that Sunday and had just bought the ticket. Mm. And someone who I met in L.A. last year lives in Cape Town as a fashion model. She let me crash on her couch, introduced me to all of her other famous fashion model friends in Cape Town. Someone else who I worked with uh, at Red Bull, she's now working for National Geographic. She was in Cape Town at the same time, so we hung out. Another Red Bull person took me to all the townships. So I got all this footage and photos from just being in townships and outside of the city. My ex-boyfriend from high school lives in Qatar and he flew to Cape Town that same week. And so like all these collisions just kept happening while I was in South Africa. I can't make this stuff up. That's crazy. I can't make it up. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was cool. And now I want to move. I, I think that's where I am now. Yo, a few years ago, fun fact, you know those Buzz, buzz BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed, like quizzes that say uh-huh. like where you meant to live or some shit. Mm-hmm. Cape Town was actually my... Uh, Do it. My thing. I've always... Mm, I don't want to <laughs> go. I've always wanted to go. I was going to go on a real digression, but that's okay. It looked great. If we could digress for just a split second. Let's get it. If you do go to South Africa and you decide to move there, I would suggest Johannesburg over Cape Town. Johannesburg is super, super cool. Cape Town can sometimes make you feel like you're back in the States or like on some other like Western European mm. space. Um, it felt very much like Santa Monica or Miami to me. Oh, that's, that's not my vibe. Yeah, it was different. It was my, way different. Yeah. Interesting. I was not expecting it. But the townships were cool. It was, it was it was great to be there. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I've never been out of the country. I'm going to digress. I'm sorry. I really want to go <laughs> to Africa specifically. I just don't know where. Yeah. So that was my one. thing, too. It is a big one. <laughs> I never left the country prior to this trip. Really? Yeah, oh, wow. Exactly. exactly. That's crazy. And I received uh, this fellowship, this artist fellowship from the Regional Arts Commission last year. I also turned 30 years old last year. And I said in my application for this fellowship, I want to spend five thousand dollars of this funding to leave the country to breathe a different air and they rocked with it and so (laughs) i i was like well for my first trip out of here where do i want to go i want to go to to the continent of africa and slowly but surely all of these people in my life i just kept meeting 
and they were connected somehow to South Africa. So I chose South Africa. So sometimes it's like when something's in your heart, speak it in existence. Exactly. And, you know, trust that the universe and the people around you will help you make it happen. One day. Yes. One, one day. day soon. One day. <laughs> Finger guns. That's what D just did for all you listeners. We out need there. to record this one of these days. <clears throat> like, like a video? Video. That's okay. Because we are recording. That was a test. Are we recording, a, by the way? I should have thought are, about okay. this. I'm watching. And brought my camera for my YouTube video. Oh, then I could have, like, damn. taken some of this footage, edited it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think people know, unless they go to the AIGA website, I don't think people know what we look like. People know you because you're hella active in AIGA. And mm, you know, I like, everybody. I think fewer people know me than you think know me. Anna... My parents are graphic designers who grew up in St. Louis, and so they are they're connected. Do you mind me asking who are your parents? Uh, Gary Karpinski and Linda Solovic. What? Linda was my professor. I rest my case. (laughs) (laughs) I I rest my case. I might might have met you a few years ago. When? Wait. When did she teach you? 2009 the class that I took with her was about of course about like making like designing things but more so how do you get it to market was it the licensed illustration class? yes mm-hmm. that that yeah. course I really sucked at it like, <laughs> it was one of many courses I bet she still has your schoolwork somewhere too probably how <laughs> isn't that crazy how has having graphic design parents parents influence you as a designer it's been interesting i always joke that uh i'm a graphic designer i didn't really have a choice Mm. (laughs) and in a way that i grew up just surrounded by creativity just all the time my parents both worked well my mom taught but when she wasn't teaching she worked at home my dad had his own business he worked at home and so they were always home Mm. and Mm -hmm. so i was always around design And and undergrad did you feel like you were able to grasp new learning concepts? I think so. Over I, some of your classmates? I, well, that's I, a good question. Yeah, I think. Like, did you have that upper edge? So I so in technical in software skills, yes, and I knew color really well because my mom is like the yeah. queen of color, yes. and that's how I grew up, and so uh, that's something that's intuitive to me. So that helped a lot. But I think there were a lot of things I just didn't know yet. I asked that question because I struggled so much in undergrad. Um, And it wasn't because of software, except for with motion graphics. Like I, I struggled with that. Yeah. Though. It was <laughs> that, oh, really hard that was a for me <laughs> to yeah, learn After yeah. Effects. And still to this day, I don't like After Effects. I don't either. It's yeah. like a bicycle. I like I can, After I can like pick it up again, but I don't like to. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's something. I'll, I'll, it's tedious. It's tedious. That's what I don't think I like. Yeah. Such is the work of animation, though, I suppose. Yeah, that's why I'm not an animator. Exactly. And my, my tediousness comes in different forms. Yeah. One thing that you have to say to the world, if you had one minute to speak to the entire planet. ABC, always be creating. I thought of The Office when you said that. I don't know if you watched that show, but my always be closing yeah like what that's where that's what it's from not from the office in particular but from like sales yeah like that is a sales tactic abc always be closing but for me 
always be creating. That could have been a whole other set of stories because there was a point in my life between my time in Alabama and coming back to St. Louis for grad school where I was working for a sales and marketing firm and I was a door-to-door salesperson of AT&T U-verse. That's when I learned ABC and <laughs> the Fords, uh, like how to start conversations and learn some really cool icebreakers. Nice. But I, even though I still keep some of those concepts, I've kind of applied them to design. Yeah. All right. You've done very well, I think, based on what I understand of you at taking things that you've experienced and learned in the past so like the AT&T thing for example and just combining the what did you say your undergrad was communications design communications design with social entrepreneurship social you know just it all it seems to me now granted this likely was not an easy task right such as life but you know it seems to all have culminated into it it seems like you have really learned and still are learning from life and have managed to use that to your advantage. Indeed. And I admire that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I think because I'm someone who's super passionate about so many things and have roles in different things... I try my best to make it all make sense so that in my head I'm less overwhelmed and so for me it's like a puzzle it's like yes a lot of my public speaking is what allows me to get new design clients for my team which then is allowing me the capacity to fund new projects and being in tune with the process of these projects is what allows me to then have something to talk about on stage and looking at it as like that loop is really helpful for sense making of all of these things that can seem very disparate you know so in short make sense of your life if there's anything you want to promote at this rate so as part of our food spark initiative we have the spark dinner it is our crowdfunding dinner where we'll be funding a micro grant to a local change maker throughout the dinner the course of a dinner um so that for the issues that they care about that are happening right now in our world they have at least a little bit of a boost to start to make it happen and so i invite people to join us uh, for that is april 14th and to also stay tuned for all of our upcoming efforts with Food Spark as well. Word. Um, well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah. Sweet deal. glad that we got to talk to Dee because she does so many things and she's touched so many areas of St. Louis both in the social impact spheres as well as the creative ones that hearing about all the projects that she's been involved in and how she got involved and how she kind of delegates and manages them I think is a good thing for everyone to hear yeah yeah, it's <laughs> pretty. I mean, you know, we, we always talk about a lot of these things, and, and 
you know, like I mentioned before, I had, I met D some years ago, uh, kind of when I was fresh out of college, and just to see all of the direction she's gone in is is quite rem- and is still going in is is quite remarkable. Um, and I'm frankly, I'm glad we got to get her on the show because. Oh my gosh, you know, she's so busy. Yeah, everybody who even remotely knows about D, you don't even have to know D like that, no, you know, understands following her on the social medias that she is very busy. Yeah, she's, Seemingly her at schedule least. is packed. Right. As far as we know. Yeah, so. We're very lucky we got her. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Um. You know, everyone be on the lookout because you will. I feel like inevitably run into her. Oh yeah. You know, if you're if you're active at least, if you're just chilling at home or wherever else, listening to this outside of St. Louis or within. Look her up. Not, yeah, look her up. She's cool. Yeah, follow her on. All, at a basic level, you should at least follow her on Instagram. In my opinion, Instagram and or Twitter. Yeah. I don't know which one she's more active on. I don't know. I don't tweet. I don't tweet either. I don't Twitter. I don't tweet. Tweet. I, that's how much I do it. Twitter and tweet are both probably... Well, tweet is obviously a verb, but tweet Twitter is, verb, Twitter but is probably a... Uh, 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 I was going to say millennial verb, but that doesn't make much sense. A, a modern verb, perhaps. I mean, if anything were to be a millennial verb, it would be that. <sighs> right. But so. I don't, know. I don't know how language works. Yeah. So thanks again to D. Uh, thank you, D, for you know taking the time out. You're scheduled to be on the show. Uh, you know, it's it's always a pleasure to see you and just have various conversations. Yeah, and check out Food Spark. They just did an event. This last week, I think, and March thirty first. Yeah, that was the March pizza 31st. and politics. Oh, it looks so cool. It I did. wasn't able to go, but it was at yeah. Central Print, and Marie at Central Print is awesome. Yeah, and I think Firecracker was involved too, probably. But there was a lot of pizza. Yeah, and it's a good amount of based people on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, based on Instagram. Uh, there are a lot of people. Yeah. Looks super fun, so I might have to jump in on the next one. See what it's about. Same. Alright. Should we do our thank yous? I think it's about time. It's about time. Alright. Well, obviously we have to thank Dee for spending time with us. Once again, yes. Thank you, Dee. So you can check her out at dandrianichols.com. Look at all of her projects. Also... I, I really think, speaking as someone who really primarily operates through Instagram right now, I think that's that's the move. Again, oh yeah, at a follow basic her on level. Instagram. But if you want to know, like, if you want to deep dive into some of her projects, I don't know. Never hurts. Go on a website. She's sure. Got all her stuff there. Yeah. She's active is the point, um, and there are many ways to keep up with her. So thanks to thanks to D once again. Uh, thank you to Critical for the dope music again. 
he will be coming out with a project very soon. That's Criddle. And if you want to follow Criddle, if you want to <laughs> follow him on uh, Instagram, where I think he's most active as well, uh, Critical underscore Vibe. And uh, yeah, keep up with him. And as always, thank you for Alessio for helping us with uh, some of our equipment and advice on how to use it. And last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our listeners. And we also apparently want to thank Linda Solovic because uh, <laughs> she's come up multiple times. Yeah, we usually cut it. Interviews. We kept it in this one. Yeah, we cut it. She is um, my mom. Anna's mom is apparently... She probably won't listen to this, so... <laughs> she might if you tell Maybe her to. She, yeah, well... She's apparently a pivotal figure in the St. Louis and beyond, perhaps, design community. You know, she's been teaching for, like, 30 years. So you're bound to... So you're gonna find a student. Word. That's annoying. And finally, this is our last episode of uh, Season 2. And we've had... A very strong lineup. We did the first season too, but uh, you know, we just we're trying to reach out to more and more folks. So if you have been listening to the show and you are in kind of the St. Louis area or region, and you have any you know suggestions or ideas for people who, or if you want to come up to the you know come up and talk to us, give us a shout because uh, you know a big point of this show is to try and reach as many folks as we can you know in St. Louis to to promote all the stuff that's going on so that's it man we don't I have we established when season three is gonna be a thing we've got some thoughts we've got thoughts we've got some thoughts that we're not Sometime gonna share right mid- now oh what June June I thought we were doing mid-May you think so that's what we talked about last we talked about it but we didn't we didn't solidify it, but we took off about a month last time. Mm-hmm. So another month would be midday. Probably this. Probably the end. The Maybe latter May. half of May. That's not for you all to... Anyway. Uh, yeah, this isn't a conversation you all need to hear, but <laughs> point is, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break uh, to regroup, live life as best as we can. Find some people interview find some folks to interview we have got a couple ideas we've got we got some folks we're Um, staying ahead yeah got some folks staying ahead but if you again are interested or know anyone who you think should be up here just let us know or if you want to do any of our album art that too yeah because creatives are always welcome creatives and specifically designers uh yeah Absolutely. If you, I'm not gonna repeat what you said. I almost did, but there's no. I point. mean, we just we like we want to see what everyone else can do with the episode artwork. I think we're gonna just start grabbing people and say, "You do this." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? If you follow us on Instagram, you might be tagged. That's right. Watch out. Actually, there are a few people that have said they can help, and I just haven't followed up. So this is your fault, is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Are we on SoundCloud yet, Javen? (laughs) Touche. Touche. Maybe season three will be on SoundCloud. I'm not going to make any promises. (laughs) Maybe season 12 will be on SoundCloud. 
Well, if we have a season 12. If we're not in SoundCloud, there's no point. These are facts. <laughs> these are facts. But anyway, thank you all again for listening to this episode. And if you've been listening even before this, for even maintaining you know, your listenership, we are very grateful. And don't ever think otherwise. Yeah, shoot us a note. Send us a... A message. Like to hear from you. Yeah, if whether you like it or you just want to tell us to shut the f up or you know whatever. Fix it. I don't know. Fix it. Adjust the sound levels. Whatever it is, we are open to suggestions. For sure. But we're gonna get out of here. We've rambled enough. For real. Thanks again, D. Thank you all for listening and everyone who's helped us, you know, put the show together. And until next time, we out. Play us out, Critical.